We're going to be in Romans 1, 18 through 23. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools." and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. I'm in Romans chapter 1. I'm in the third message of Romans chapter 1, and I cannot tell you how many more messages. There are at least two. There may be three. And you'll say, but Mike, you're in verse 18. I only have about 32 ver- verses. I mean, wh- what are you going to talk about? Well, let's find out. Okay? Let's remember why this is written. The Lord is writing to the Roman church because the Roman church is giving its life. The Roman people are one by one, giving their life to Jesus Christ. They are experiencing eternal life. They're experiencing freedom from sin and death. Jesus, they are experiencing a divine entity coming to live inside of them. They are from a pure, paganistic, humanistic society. They have been educated for centuries what paganism and humanism is. And and these people are confronted with a person who lived for them and died for them and rose again on the third day and gave them eternal life. And they they are in a new life faced with all they know and all they've ever been taught about the lifestyle that they lived in. You and I are very fortunate in this country but it's becoming less and less obvious than it was from years ago. When I was a young man back in the 70s, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and my wife was already a Christian for several years before that, we were in a church, and in that church were men and women, couples that had known Christ, and some of them, their parents knew Christ, and they were familiar with truth biblical truth, the way it functions and how it affected them and what it does for them, does in them and through them. And and we walked into it. I was from a totally pagan background. I did not know who Jesus was. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know about Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. But these people in this church put their arms around me and began to live Jesus Christ. Nobody, there are nobody in this Roman church who was living for Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? No one. Except Paul and those that were teaching them, that were missionaries. It's like many foreign countries, like 
people groups in Brazil that they still don't know that they, where they are. And people, missionaries in Brazil are sent from churches that are established up into the jungles to find people group who have never seen a white man. And when they find them and they share Christ and the people accept Jesus, they're just like the Roman people. They had no knowledge of what righteousness was. They were self-centered people. Well, Jeannie and I, at least me, Jeannie went to a small Baptist church. I went to a church in Clarksburg. And there were righteous people. I know there were righteous people. Some of them gave me some very, very godly advice. Others gave me their opinions. But I began to see quickly what righteousness was. These people in this book that this letter is written to, these poor people do not know who Jesus Christ is. They know his power because of salvation. So Paul, Paul was talking about who he is, and he talks about living by faith, the just shall live by faith. That's what it says, right? But then he, he changes the tune. And he's not mad at anybody. You understand, he's not mad at anybody. He wants them to understand about Jesus. And about righteousness. And, and, and so he goes to verse 18. He, he gets down to that portion of the letter. It's a new paragraph. The tone changes a little bit. And he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness. Now I want to stop and I want to talk to you about something. When he says the wrath of God is being revealed, he's not saying that the whole Roman city is going to experience the wrath of God. That happens later. And the reason it happens later is because wickedness becomes so prevalent that judgment is automatic. Because you look in Scripture in the Old Testament, it says, and when sin had fulfilled itself, then God poured out judgment. Okay? It's not there yet. Well, what's he talking about here? He's letting these young Christians know that there is wrath from God that's being revealed from heaven against godlessness and wickedness. Now, what in the world is he talking about? When people are alcoholics or liars or they abuse their children, or they live in unforgiveness and bitterness, that they hate people. Where human beings do not live by the principles of God, that wrath is being revealed. That means a judgment that is personal in nature. That changes the whole dynamic of this passage of Scripture. When you understand that God is talking about individuals or families or groups of people that live in godlessness, and we'll explain that, and wickedness, we'll explain that. 
that there is a judgment that comes from God automatically because of the nature of the sin that's lived out in these people's lives. Later on, down here in verses 24 on, we will see some specific illustrations. We're not going to get to them today. What is godlessness? It is where... And it says it right down here, below it, it says, Who suppress the truth? What is godlessness? It is when righteousness is said it's a lie. Do you hear that? When righteousness is said, it, it camouflages. Godlessness is camouflaging truth. And how does that happen? It happens through Intellectual prowess that is not of God. Intellectual, that means learned issues and information that is contrary to God's truth. And that's what Rome was for. It was an educational capital of the world. They had universities and libraries. They had philosophers. There were people, except for the Greeks, the Romans were great philosophers. They had statues of gods of all kinds, everywhere. That is when, that is what godlessness is. It's when you deny truth in order for a lie to be up, it's brought to the surface. Abortion is a primary example. They say abortion is a, a set of bacterial uh, cells that come together and they're really nothing, but it's like a cancerous tumor and it needs to be removed. That's what science says. That's godlessness. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's godlessness. Okay, that's a tough one. Let's go to something more simple. Simple. Godlessness is saying that you don't have to wait till you get married to have sex. That's godlessness. Because God says you need to wait until you get married to have sex. Godlessness is saying you need to try the other person out to see how it is, to see if you're compatible. I remember that thing was going around. I wasn't a Christian, but I remember it was going around in school among the, the seniors and the juniors, and they were saying, hey, we're just going to try one another out. And then the next step was, well, let's live together. So maybe physically we're compatible, but now let's see if socially we can live together. So let's just live together because marriage and God has nothing to do with God. It just has to do with human experience, intellectual prowess, reason, raised, reason raised above the knowledge of God. Reason, that's what godlessness is. Let me tell you, that's what it is. You need to understand that. Raises itself above the knowledge of God. I heard recently that young mothers 
are exploring. Going to, uh, oh gee whiz. What is it? My mind just went blank. What's that? Say it again. Hypnotism, in order to avoid the pain of birth. And they say it's scientifically proven to be true. Well, they thought that about smoking in hypnotism. Did you know that? They, they thought about eating in hypnotism. I mean, we're talking about the young mothers of our young children, the next generation, being exposed to demonic influence through an act which is occultic in its very nature and its origin. Somebody said, well, it works. Well, of course it does. There are people that are healed by demons. Do you know that? So I don't have it. These are spiritual principles. That's godlessness. It, uh, it raises some knowledge above the knowledge of God. That's what godlessness is. So you have a society for generations that was in this atmosphere of intellectual prowess that raises itself above the knowledge of God. In our society, it's the same way. We don't believe there's a God. I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe there's a God. There's no God. Why? I heard this reason. Somebody said, this is why it happens. There is no God. I don't believe there's a God because somebody told me if there was a God, people wouldn't be in pain. People are in pain because of, of the fall of man, not because there's a God or not a God. The presence of God does not mean there's no pain. The presence of sin is the reason why people have pain. But... So it raises itself above the knowledge of God. What is wickedness? Wickedness is the behavior that happens when you follow the knowledge of the world. Like hatred and bitterness, unforgiveness. And people treat each other in a way where humanity is ignored and self-preservation and self-sufficiency is in charge. And then the, the behavior is but wicked. It is treating human beings in a below substandard way. One is knowledge, one is behavior. Guess what? It, in Clark County, it's like that. Right now. You know, the godlessness of man is so prevalent in Clark County, all over the world, but in Clark County as well, that young men and women send their naked pictures on the Internet to other people. What's, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody. They don't understand their biblical principles behind that. That's why we have gender problems. Because people say, oh, you could be whatever you want to be. You can't. 
because the intellectual prowess raises itself against the knowledge of God. Well, what's the knowledge? Man has created male and female, and God does not make mistakes. That, see, those two truths go together. God is not a liar, God does not make mistakes, and God does everything that is right. But we say, oh no, he made a mistake, or there is no God and I can be whatever I want to. The last I read, there was 150 different genders you could be. I don't want to serve a God or live in a society where there can be 150 genders. I do not want to be... So this has brought me to this point. That the church corporately needs to do spiritual warfare against evil. You can teach the truth, but we also need to do... Because, see... It gains, it, it gains potential and power. Lies gain power the more people that hear. Did you know that? Did you hear? Mike's foot grew back. Really? Mike's foot grew back? You, you, wow! Mike's foot grew back. <laughs> A lie when it gains Exposure, it gains authority over the people. The truth is, they burned my foot, and God will give it back to me one day. Amen. Okay? So we as a church need to do spiritual warfare. We, we need to pray for the people who are involved in this behavior, the wickedness, but we need to pray against the lies, which is the godlessness, and we need to take authority over it. That's why I prayed and took authority over some issues this morning. I'm sorry, I just learned that. So you need to pray for me some more. I just learned that so that we can do that. People that, people that are involved in drug addiction or addicted to sex or addicted to... Um, alcohol, these, these, those are, are spiritual bondages that need to be broken with the power and authority of Christ. The church can do that. We can pray that there is an atmosphere in your homes and in your community where Jesus Christ has the freedom because we have asked him to come and take authority over the godlessness. Marching in front of of a house of prostitution is not taking authority. It's called social activism. You can do that. I don't have a problem with it, but I would much rather you took authority over the spiritual dominance and bondage that goes on in every place where sin occurs. That's what the Romans have to learn to do because for hundreds of years... They lived in this pagan society and were taught pagan truths that raised itself above the knowledge of God. <coughs> How powerful, uh, by the way, what it does is suppress the truth by their wickedness. The, be, the godless nature is bad. But when you act upon the information that is taught to you by lies, that's called wickedness. 
So if I'm taught there is no God, I can just process that. But if I start believing that there is no God, then that's wicked. Do you understand the difference? And that needs to be broken, and you need to declare, I believe in God. I want my children to believe in God. I want my children's children to believe in God. I want them to be submissive to God. I want them to experience the truth of God. For, for a mature Christian, that sounds simplistic. But it is only by the authority of Christ that we subdue lies and bring the truth from being camouflaged out to the surface. I let someone of the Lord this week. Hey. Yeah. I was hoping he'd be here. I don't see him. Because I wanted to enter some of you personally to get to know him. But I had to, he went to church all of his life, off and on. He knew, he knew the four spiritual laws. He understood who Jesus was. He knew, but he kept saying, my life is a mess. I, I can't get a hold of God. I don't, and, I, and I came to that point, and, and Barbara, guess what the question was I asked him? Where does God live? Where does Jesus live right now? That's what I said to him. You know what he said? He, he, stopped, he sat back and he said, well, he's on the right hand of the Father. I said, you're right. Is that the only place he is? And he goes, well, well yeah. He, he said, I said, you need to know him personally. He didn't understand what I was saying. And so we, we began to take the camouflage and the, the truth of Christ came up. The fact that he came and he lived a perfect life. The fact that he was... Uh, God and man, the fact that he, and we went through all of these questions that he had. And finally I said, well, do you want to know him personally? He says, yes. And so I led him to the Lord. Amen. You know, he sat back in his chair once the prayer was over with and he said, he said, wow, that feels good. <laughs> Truth changes people. Godlessness and wicked behavior puts people in bondage. But we need to use prayer, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, not my intellectual arguments, but those things to help people overcome the evil one. Now, he goes on in verse 20. He says... Uh, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. What about those invisible qualities? His eternal power. What about his power? And his divine nature. What about his divine nature? Has been clearly seen. Paul does not have to explain to the Roman people those qualities. He just mentions them. You all know about them. Preachers like to talk about them. They make, he could get three sermons or five points out of that. But all Paul was saying right here was that these are, you know them. 
I don't have to tell anybody what they are. You know them. They have been clearly seen, being understood from what is made. You know, um, I've seen some pretty magnificent things. I was at the Arch in St. Louis. I still don't know how they built it. I mean, they explained it. You know, you have to be a really intelligent person to understand, but I didn't understand it. I just thought it would fall down any minute. But still, I went up in it. When we get up there, they began to explain how hard it was to put the elevators in it. How, how much trouble they had. And I thought I'd walk down where well, there's no steps. <laughs> but when you stand at the top of that arch and look out those windows, the creation that you see is overwhelming compared to the arch. It, the arch is nothing. It's like a pimple on the earth's face. Roman people had some of the world's wonders that they've seen. But they've seen what God does. They know the power of God in nature in the sea, in the wind, in the rain, in all of those things. He, they know the power of God. And they understand that something's in control of it. They were very religious people. You know, we are probably as close to the Roman Empire right now in America that we've ever been. This country was started by people like the Quakers in Pennsylvania and the pilgrims up north and the separatists. And there were, there were people all over the, the, the part of the new America that was, um, and, and they understood it. But now we were like the Roman Empire. We're getting into verse 21. They knew God, but they don't glorify him. You know, the last time um, that in a political statement where sin was caused a national problem, do you know the last president that, that said that in, the inaug in their inaugural address? Dwight David Eisenhower was the last one he said, one of the problems in America is sin. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> Their sin problem is minuscule compared to what our sin problem is now. They don't even thank him anymore. What did it? Their thinking became futile. What is godlessness? You raise the world's thinking above the knowledge of God. 
intellectual prowess. And then that makes you have foolish hearts and are foolish hearts, and they are darkened. They claim to be wise. Do you ever listen to the billionaires? They met over in uh, Dubai, all those really rich people that have all this money and they've made it through all the economies of the world, not just America. And there was a man who spoke to him and he told them that, that, listen to what this man said, the earth can only support one billion people. Yes, you need to laugh louder. That is foolish. Now, that foolishness did something in that man's heart because you know what his next statement is? Somehow, in a civil way, we need to get rid of six billion people. That's what he said. <coughs> I heard him. <laughs> Foolish hearts that are darkened. You know, you, you know foolish people, but they don't really do anything to hurt anybody. These people's hearts are, are darkened, and they're going to hurt people. They want to kill us in a civil way. That's what he said, in a civil way. See, the Roman people understand what Paul was saying here. They lived in this environment for years and years. Exchanging the glory of God, of an immortal God, for images made to look like humans, more to humans and birds and animals. I, you know, I struggled with that until God told me, he brought to my mind anytime fitness. Do you know what that is? And Peloton. You know what Peloton is? How about uh, all the additives that you take to make your muscles strong and keep your body? Who are we worshiping? Human beings. Now, be healthy. Go ahead and be healthy. You have my permission. (laughs) But do not worship human beings. Then he brought to mind about birds, animals, and reptiles. How many in there's a list of endangered species? Remember, you can adopt an elephant in Africa. Did you know that? You give them so much money, and they they tell you that they're going to save those endangered species. Or remember the polar bears are, everybody had as a polar bear, they adopted one. They're not endangered anymore, but they didn't have anything to do with it. The pipeline that carries the oil out of Africa did it. Because when they had their babies, they found that around the pipeline, it's warmer, and that's where they have their babies. And the babies don't die. That's worshiping animals. I'm a conservationist. I try and keep my land, what little I have, in a healthy situation. 
The Romans understood this. They had gods to everything. The Egyptians were worth. The Egyptians had a god to the alligator. We can't, yeah. I just, I mean. Because of this behavior, we move to verse 24, and we'll go there next week. Because of this nature, he gave them over to their sinful desires. So he's trying to get the Roman people who have given their heart to the Lord to have their minds renewed. He doesn't... He gets to, to chapter 8 before he talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh. Then in chapter 12, he talks about giving their minds over. He is laying the foundry here, the foundation here, so that they will understand what they are giving up. If a person does not understand what they're giving up, they will not have victory over it. Do you understand that? That's where we're heading next week. But before we get there, we're all going to go to uh, Living Water United Brethren Church on Ash Wednesday. Just a little secret. The stuff, that the, the ash that we're going to put on your forehead is because of your humanity. And we'll talk to you why it's because of your humanity. And it has to do with this right here. Okay? We're going to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Caleb, thank you for coming. Bring it, bring that young. Everybody, you even have a 13-year-old person singing for you. Isn't that something? Greg, how, how old was she when you married her? <laughs> Stole her from the crater. You're going to have your birthday party at a state skating rink? 13-year-old skating rink party. 14. I'll be 14. Please stand. This, this message was a burden on my heart. I could not worship today because my wife looked at me. She said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. But I could because... You need to understand something. We're, we're where the Romans were. We're where the Romans were in this country. We have got to not be afraid to share the truth about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, we have got to talk about his death and resurrection. I don't care if you march in front of an abortion clinic, but let me tell you what, winning one person to the Lord is greater than walking in front of an abortion clinic. I think it's important that we do that. I think it's wonderful that we're going to Richmond and, and tell the rest of the world that we stand against abortion. It's a spiritual sin. I'm, but winning people to Christ, taking away the camouflage that the world is placed on the truth. 
bringing it forward into people's lives so that they can experience the power of Jesus Christ. That's even more important. The other's important, but not like this. Father God, bless these people. I ask, Father God, that you fill us with your spirit. I want you to protect the families, the Christian families. And I say that because the families where Christ lives in this church, I pray, Father God, that you will protect these families and that you will teach them the biblical truth of God so that God's truth can raise itself above the knowledge of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I pray, Father God, that in these Christian families that the truth of Christ will reign in his righteousness so that their families can have victory over the bondage and lies of the world. Pray this, Father, in your name. Amen.